Hello, and welcome to the Coronation Asset Management podcast series, where we discuss everything around wealth and investment management, identifying trends in financial markets, as well as topical themes. I'm Guy Czartoryski, Head of Research at Coronation Asset Management, and I will be your host steering these conversations. Today, I'm joined by Ola Wushegon Akadwale, a senior portfolio manager at Coronation Asset Management. He has over seven years of experience across economic research, investment management, fixed income trading, and equity research. Ola Wushegon, good morning to you and welcome. How are you doing? Thank you, Kate. Thanks for having me. So today, we're here to discuss our publication, Better Times in 2023. This is our core investment strategy outlook for the coming year. Shagan, tell me a little bit about uh, what you're looking for. Um, Okay. Um, I mean, we had a very good rally um, in the fixed income market over um, towards the end of 2022. Uh, But um, the landscape is changing a bit over the first half of 2023. And this is basically driven by the fact that uh, we're spending a lot of liquidity in the financial system. Um, but most of that we expect it to impact the short end of the year curve. Um, that's a treasury bills fixed deposit placement, uh, basically. But on the longer end of the curve, it's going to be a different um, scenario. And this has been underpinned by the fact that um, we have an election that is upcoming. Um, we're seeing sizable budget deficit going into 2023. So we believe this is going to impact the long end longer on the fixed income fund a bit differently from what we're going to see on the short end of the curve. You certainly put your finger on it there. We have an election coming up in just a few weeks' time. But let's take a step back and see how bad things were last year and how much better they could be this year. I recall from last year, for example, if we look across the world, the Standard & Poor's Index, the S&P 500, was down 19%. The NASDAQ in the US was down 33%. Euro stocks are down 13%. And in the US, the Fed funds rate went up by four percentage points to 4.5%. It was a very tough year. Whereas in our market, um, the yields were actually quite good. Uh, although, of course, fixed income yields do not actually beat inflation, but nevertheless, they actually improved. And our equity market went up by, I believe, 20%, or if you're going to be pedantic about it, 19.98%. So we actually had a relatively good year, um, but we still believe that things are going to be better going into next year. How, how should we break this down? Should we break it down perhaps by US dollar savers, what's in store for them? And maybe go on to narrow fixed income savers, what's in store for them, and then go on to the equity market and the prospects there. Um, I think we should just, let's deal with the uh, following one, and then let's focus on the local development, which is the Naira fixed income and equities together. Okay, so tell us a little bit about savers who want to save dollars this year. What's your advice? Where are the rates going? How should they position themselves, given that you're running a US dollar portfolio? Okay, um, so basically, right, um, following the peak up in inflation that we saw last year, uh, we saw the US Fed's um, increased rates materially. And just beyond the US Fed's, across the developed markets, we saw increase in um, the uh, different fund rates or monetary policy rate last year. And then, given by the body language and also conversation with the Fed, 
uh, members of the Fed, um, they are still uh, inching towards increasing rates. They still think it still needs to remain high going into 2023. So uh, for us, we think it's actually a good time uh, for US uh, savers um, to invest in short and end of the curve, basically. And given the fact that we've seen a lot of rally um, towards the end of last year, as a lot of people were expecting the uh, fixed income used to come down. Uh, but for someone who is willing to hold ma- to maturity, I think most of those instruments are still looking pretty good, right? You can still buy um, any FGN or Nigerian denominated uh, um, US denominated instrument. You can still buy them at a very good rate um, at a current level. Across the corporate FGN, they are looking pretty good. And just beyond that, also, if you look across the margin market, uh, the rates are also looking good on a lot of um, sovereign USD um, instruments. Uh, but you have to be take a lot of care here, right? Because a lot of con- countries are also experienced, they're also looking moving to the level of a default, similar to what we've seen in Ghana, right? Um, so you have to really talk to your advisors and make sure that you're making the right choice. Thank you. It's very interesting to see how things improve for your US dollar savers over the period of a year. A few years ago, you could only get very low rates in USD. Uh, now the rates are quite good. I saw recently that the federal government of Nigeria 2027 bond is yielding over 10%. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, that's pretty correct. Uh, I think he's seen yield around um, 11.7% right now. Uh, it's looking pretty good. And then, as you say, you want to steer clear of anyone who's going to default. And obviously, that's the problem with uh, Ghana, for example. And that's the kind of thing where you have to assess the risk. Uh, and not be too adventurous, uh, play where you're safe, right? Yeah, valid, right? I mean, as much as you want the best rates, you also need to put your risk um, side by side. Is it worth it? Um, should you stay where you're comfortable, uh, where you know that the risk of default is pretty low? Or do you want the best yield in the market and take the risk of um, very high um, default risk, similar to what we saw in Ghana, where yields were as high as 30%? And a lot of people prefer that than what they were seeing in Nigeria at 13 14%. So take care and uh, follow your lead, I guess, and buy what you know and uh, buy close to home and uh, you're more likely to be safe, correct? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, let's go on to narrow fixed income. I think this is a subject that is very close to people's hearts. Uh, after all, we all have Naira, we all have Naira accounts, uh, we all, all wish to save. But of course, for many years, I mean, since the beginning of 2020, it's been very difficult to be beat inflation. But I think things are improving. Is, is that correct? Yeah, I mean, uh, towards the end of last year, um, following the squeezing we saw across the banking system, which resulted from the um, CBN largely sterilizing a lot of banking funds as well. Um, so we saw yields across um, different tenors uh, for fixed deposit placement. Even if you look at uh, what you get for uh, from tier one banks to tier two banks, it was quite high. What you're getting, you're getting as high as um, 18, 19%, 16%, depending on the, um, the volume of amount you have in your possession to, to, to invest. I think it was, I saw a bit of the breakdown in your report, which was quite um, exhaustive trying to print um, the way the different uh, deposit rate um, was in the market. Um, so interestingly, it wasn't just on the fixed deposit placement side. We also saw treasury bills yields also jump um, during the period. So you could look at different treasury instruments, uh, um, special bills, promissory notes, the one that is issued by the CBN directly. They all saw material jump over um over the second half of 2022. So yeah, it was a good year. Um, a lot of Naira savers made a lot of money. Um, the strategy was if you had stayed short most part of 2022, you had opportunity to really capitalize on the higher yield we saw towards the end of the year, basically. Right. 
And you run a fixed income fund in Nara. So what's the approximate yield on that fund now? Um, so you look at effective yield, which is about 11.8%. Um, uh, but year-to-day return, because we mark our funds to market, um, is about 4% um, so far. Um, so basically just um, reflecting that movement in the market. 4% so far, but we're only three weeks into the year. Yes. Well, that's... Sounds pretty good to me. Okay. And then you're thinking that rates might come down in the first part of the year, but then move up um, towards the end of the year. What's your thinking behind that? Okay. So, I mean, coming into, I mentioned earlier, right, we have a lot of liquidity coming into the financial system um, over the first half of 2023. And most of these funds have to find their way into the fixed deposit placement or anywhere, or they get rolled over um, in the instrument they are maturing in, say, treasury bills. We're also expecting a lot of coupon to be paid on federal government bonds, um, except the defaults, which we do not expect them to do that. They can't do that. <laughs> so basically, right, uh, so we have a lot of those coupons coming in, and those coupons have to be invested somewhere. So you're going to see a lot of uh, funds coming to um, the financial services, um, especially the banks, to have to use as fixed deposits. Some of them will be invested in treasury. So you're going to see a lot of demand in the system, which might not be met with the supply on the short end of the curve. Uh, because given what we're looking at, we think there might be much of longer dated instrument being issued from the bond auction calendar this so far. Um, so we think they're going to go a lot longer than um, the short end of the curve. They might just maintain the short end of the curve. The way it is, roll over what is maturing, don't um, take additional Fund. So because of that demand compared to the paper insurance, they're likely to see it's depressed on most of them um, first half of the year. Like I mentioned, it's going to be a different scenario on the long end of the curve. That's for the bonds and um, basically because of the election issues and also the higher borrowing plans um, of the federal government as dictated by the uh, by the budget deficit that we have. But of course, a lot of people want to save in money market funds and it's a hot selling fund and it's the largest segment of the fund management section. So what's the yield on your money market fund now? Uh, okay, so we're currently within 13.31% on our effective yield and uh, we're still able to achieve that um, despite the decline we've seen so far in the market because, I mean, late last year, we knew the market is going to go down. Um, so we position appropriately to ensure that we manage funds appropriately. I mean, we want our clients going into 2023 to to, to look at their portfolio and they're still happy irrespective of what is happening in the environment. So yeah, um, at 13.31% on your 5 million, 10 million, 2 million, 1 million, it's actually an attractive um, return. And interestingly, we also recently got our rating uh, for the money market fund and um, Augusto basically affirmed our um, investment grade rating at um, A+, A plus, uh, which is quite impressive uh, for us and we're quite happy about that. So yeah, saving in uh, in an asset that is yielding as high as 13%, safe, regulated by SEC and you don't have to worry so much about um, losing your funds um, given the case that we are well-rated and is well-managed uh, uh, by coordination asset management. Thank you very much. So we're starting the year with quite good rates. We might get slightly lower rates as we go into April, May. That would be the base case. And then those rates would pick up as the year goes on after May. Is have I? Do I understand that correctly? Uh, yeah, so from May, but I, I think we should be more hopeful, say, between June, July. Let us say strictly July, because most of the funds, um, we have a lot in March, April, so they might still be in the system, right? Some way into uh, May, June. So by end of June and starting July, they should have figure have fully be utilized and out of the system. So you would advise savers to put their funds into a fund quite quickly, uh, not wait until March or April mm-hmm. or even May, because the opportunities won't be there until later on in the year. Yes, it's a, it's a good time to lock on whatever you have right now on the short end of the curve. 
Thank you very much indeed. Well, I'm going to change the subject now and go on to the equity market. It's been a very strange period the last three years in the equity market. We've had positive returns in each year. Uh, That hasn't happened for a long time. We even had a 50% return in 2020. Uh, We had a positive return in 2021. And as I said earlier, we had a 20% return uh, in 2022. And not only that, of course, but if you add the dividend, in fact, uh, the return was actually more like 25%. What's your thought about the equity market for this year? Okay. Uh, I mean, uh, for us, right, we look at it fundamentally and also look at the factors that are driving the market as a whole. Um, are we seeing movement by fund managers between equities and also um, the fixed income space, right? Um, on our base case, right, uh, we think the market is going to be slightly uh, play different um, this year. Uh, and this will be because of what I mentioned around uh, people positioning ahead, um, staying short because of what they're expecting to happen in the fixed income space. But the interesting thing is that if you look at stocks last year, a lot of them were depressed. Um, so you are seeing GT, your current prices, um, expected dividend yield is as high as um, you are looking at um, about 13, 14% dividend yield uh, for the like of um, GT. Um, 11.54 percent for G, um, GT. Um, then for Zenit, you're looking at the same level, right? So a lot of people will be comfortable will be comfortable looking at say, oh, I'm buying an as a, a, a UBA at 12.4 um, dividend yield expectation. I'm buying a Zenit at 12.3 dividend yield expectation. So basically, people are looking at okay, this given where rates are currently on the short end of the curve, this might compare favorably, right? Um, and then it's avoid I, I get to avoid the mark to market risk that is going to come from me um, going long on the uh, of the curve right now. Um, so basically right um we see the equities market the fundamentally sound names um the defensive stock the um um actually the um consumer goods names and also the telecom names we see them performing pretty well um this year uh i think a lot of care needs to be taken around the consumer goods names we expect a lot of performance there a good performance there but um selection of stock is going to be very important and this is where you need to consult your um, fund manager and also investment manager to give a proper advice on that sector uh, for the industrial goods sector we're quite positive um given the news over um the uh additional share buyback by Dankote Cement. So we think that will also um, support some rally within that space. So basically, right, uh, we think the first half of the year or the first quarter of the year, let's just put it together, the first half of the year will be similar to what we had in 2022. We're going to see a lot of rally in the market. And then depending on who wins the election, right, we could actually see some positive and sentiment in the equities market um, depending on the election result. I mean, so it's just basically going to be an interesting year for the equities. A lot to watch out for, a lot to, you need a lot of consultation in this uh, process to be able to deliver good returns and what we try to tell people is that you need a sizable amount right to have somebody to advise you but you could invest in something like a balance fund that is managed by a proper fund manager so you don't have to worry so much about the analysis yourself yes and i think we did a little bit of a study ourselves on this and we found out that uh, if you look at the potential earnings upside for the top 10 stocks on the index in 2023 it's 18% earnings growth. And of course, the market was up 20% last year. So the market doesn't look a lot more expensive than it did one year ago, which I think is encouraging. Well, we touched on the elections there. And I don't think we can conclude this without uh, talking about the elections, although of course, they're very contentious. However, uh, we have done a study of the elections. And uh, it's worth pointing out what happened in 2015 and 2019. Um, In 2015, as I recall, what happened was that the 
uh, it was a sort of an interesting election, to say the least. Well, you touched upon elections there, and of course we do have to discuss that. They're due in about a month's time, and we can look back at the study we've done of 2020-15 elections and 2019 elections and how they affected our markets. So, let me present the 2015 election. The 2015 election was pretty interesting. Um, there was a contested election, an incumbent was going to, uh, as it turned out, be challenged by the incoming president, Mohammed Buhari. And the market was nervous about that. The equity market actually fell in the first part of the year, uh, traded down until February, and T-bill yields uh, shot up. They shot up um, just really at the time of the election. However, there was then a peaceful transfer of power. T-bill yields went down, so Treasury bills uh, yielded a bit less and came down in yield very gently for a few months. And the equity market rebounded a great deal, uh, gaining about 20% in the months after the election. So that was 2015. The 2019 election was completely different. The equity market was actually actually generally rising a little bit ahead of the election and the T-bill market was more or less flat with yields at around 17.5% in the months leading up to the poll. Then what happened was quite extraordinary. The CBN uh, cut rates in March but the market anticipated that and T-bill rates crashed at the time of the election or just after the election, and the equity market uh, then began to fall uh, for seven months afterwards. So what's the lesson there? I guess it is that uh, the CBN could have an equally strong influence on the markets at the time of the election as the incoming government, and the government itself could have an effect on what the markets do. So what could be the outcome? Okay. Um, so, I mean, we have the MPC meeting starting, uh, I think, next week. Um, that could be their, their last decision before the election, right? Um, so we see what they do there and how, how that is going to actually um, trickle down into the election. But basically, I think we're likely to see a repeat of what happened um, before. Um, given what we've seen, the rally we've seen in the equities market so far, we're seeing higher yields in the fixed income space. So I can say towards the election, from now to the election, we are going to see um, your charts um, kind of depict is it 20 um 2015 where we saw both the equities market uh, the equities market um yeah we're going to see similar to 2015 and 2019 where we saw uh, an increase in the equities uh, market especially uh, that's um, mostly uh 2015 right so we're going to see the equities market continue to rally onto the election but the fixed income yield um, are going to continue to jump up meaning that prices are going to go down um, on that hand right for post the election rise right, is all going to determine it's going all going to be determined how the market plays out uh, by the um, monetary policy and fiscal policy expectation of the incoming uh, president. So once we see the election result, I'm giving people the expectation of the different candidate and you are likely to see the market react to what people expect of them, basically. So the election could have a huge effect on investors. It could have a huge effect on the way interest rates go. However, the base case seems to be that we're looking for a much better 2023 than 2022, both in global markets and in terms of where savings rates can go from here. And we could have a repeat performance, a positive performance in the equity market. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with you on that. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Like you said, I mean, we agree. I agree with you fully on that, but it all would boil down to who becomes our next president. Great. Oliver Shagan, Akinwale, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Guy, for having me. It's been a great conversation. Thank you for listening. It has been a pleasure having you share this time with us. Do well to look out for the next episode and share the Coronation Asset Management podcast across your network. 
You can also connect with us at coronation.ng for more insights. Until next time. 